Hi, everyone, and thanks for coming back. Today's episode is on Disney Pixar's cultural sensation, Coco. As always, you don't have to watch the movie in order to listen to the episode, but we always recommend it as we will never stray away from spoilers. So let's get rolling. I'm your host, Audrey. And I'm your co-host, Shree. So sit back, relax, and please don't silence your phone while we check your cinematic pulse. gonna know my mess up we're good no one's gonna know how how would they know how are they gonna know no one's gonna know okay so today i didn't realize this movie came out in 2017 i forgot like when i saw recent than that what me too when i saw the day i was like is it really that old it doesn't feel like that did we have did we have another like mexican or spanish themed movie oh yeah we did oh yeah, that's why that came Which, out after this. What's that movie called? It's uh, we don't talk about Bruno one. Yeah, that one. Why? See, I don't. Yeah, I don't one. care for that movie. Encanto. But I can't, Encanto. I feel yeah. like as soon as I said that, everyone who listens to this is going to just be like, "Oh, I can't believe she said." <laughs> you that. can just like hear the collective groan. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Encanto that much. I've never seen it, so. I think that's why I didn't realize it's this beautiful. movie came out in 2017 because my brain was like mushing these two movies together because I've mm-hmm. never seen either of them. So I thought that they had come out, it had come out more recently, but no, 2017. Encanto was so, fine. Encanto was fine. Um, apparently the music was good. Music was great, but I just, eh, I didn't care about the story as much. It felt, I, I, I like what it represented. It was beautiful. Was it Spanish or was it Mexican? It was the same as this. It was Spanglish. Okay. No, 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 no. I mean, was the culture the culture oh, of the movie was it Spanish or Mexican? That is a question not for me. Um, I know there are people mm. listening who definitely know that answer, and I do not. Okay, um, somebody tell me, or I can Google it. I can probably Google it. Anyhow, we're not I talking about done. Encanto. We're talking about Coco. We're not talking about Coco. Um, so summary of this movie because I wrote one this week, and I'm pretty proud of it proud because of I forgot to write one for the village, <laughs> and totally gave one off the cuff. Um. So Coco is about a boy named Miguel whose family has forbidden music. And when Miguel gets stuck in the land of the dead on Dia de los Muertos, he needs the blessing of his late ancestors to return to the land of the living. But with all of his family members staunchly opposed to music, Miguel tries to find a long lost family member who will send him back with a blessing to keep playing. Excellent. You're good. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) It takes a while. As you heard when I tried to do it on the fly, like I have to work it and rework it. (laughs) But again, if you ask me to summarize my novel, I just draw a blank. Like I can't. There's I I can't work it on that the other day. I can Did you get an email that I had updated it? Yeah. I saw it on my Google Files. I did. I, Cherie's on my, my Google file for my novel. So she always gets an update whenever I have added anything to it. So proud of you. I know I'm on my second draft and I reworked chapter five. I not reworked it, but I finally plotted out the whole thing. Love so it. I know I have a whole chunk of stuff missing. And I just realized I have like three chapters or something that I haven't actually, I didn't actually write in my first draft. I just like glossed over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, crap. Now I have to actually write. Gotta write those chapters now. <laughs> Okay, so first impressions of this movie. Loved it. Uh, loved it. So, okay, so I'm, mm, mm, you do yours first. So, my niece saw this before I did, 
And man, she vetted it like crazy. She loved this film. And so one day... That was my question was, what made you watch it? Evie is almost always... Not almost always the reason I watch a Pixar film, because I love Pixar films. But as of the last, I don't know, five, six years of my life, I just don't have time. So yeah, it's, it's like if I'm spending time with family members and they want to watch, it's mostly Evie. If they want to watch something mm-hmm. Disney or Pixar, um, that's usually when I'll watch them is with her. Um, like anytime we're hanging out, we almost always got like a Disney movie in the back. And we were watching Zootopia not that long ago. Uh, that is oh, one of I my favorite animated films. Oh, that's one of my favorites. So well written. Such a good story. So good. Anyway, um, Coco, she she loved it. She was obsessed with it when it came out. She watched it again and again. She How like, old was she when it came out? Let's see. She is... 17 now so how many years ago was that six she would have been 11 dang that is crazy Aww, yeah like my the brain. perfect age group to be obsessed with that dude don't even get me started i but, feel like i remember when your nephew was born <laughs> both of them <laughs> but uh, uh but um yeah so, so anyway she, she was obsessed yeah she's obsessed and so she asked me to sit down and watch it with her and like when i tell you this movie had me captivated from the opening because the opening I love openings that are like like they're they're showing you the story of the past at the beginning of this film I love Mm -hmm. when like movies do really cool ways of showing um past things or like think about Harry Potter and the um Deathly Hallows part one when Hermione's talking about the three brothers and they have that animation sequence. I love mm. when movies do that. I love when they it show... Ma- it reminded me of Tangled. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. I love when they show mm-hmm. little like moments like that where they show a different animation style to tell a different you know part of the story. So from the beginning, I was like, man, that's good. I love it. And then the story continues and the music is actually... like I love especially about this film how the music does not feel shoehorned in like it does for most Disney films. That no, is one I of totally my agree. favorite things about this film. It feels so natural when the music comes up in this film. Because it's obviously about music. Yeah. So it feels more natural. Like, it's an, it, where other Disney films are quote-unquote musicals, this one feels... No. It feels natural feel because like it's about music. And I think I was expecting it to be more musical than it was. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very... Very yeah. natural. And I think I, there were not a lot of songs in it for what I was expecting. Because I think I was expecting something like Encanto or Tangled or Frozen or whatever. Like something you're going to walk out of the theater whistling mm-hmm. or whatever. Because there's been so many songs in it. But that's not what this was. And it was much more subdued than that musically. That is honestly. And I know that's Disney's MO is you got to have music. Not all the time. Gotta but most music. of the time. And I think that's actually my issue with so many productions with Disney as of late, where it's like, they just are shoehorning music in. And I don't always like that, but I know these aren't for me. They're for kids. And I have to remember I'm not a kid anymore. But I I think that's why I enjoy Coco a lot of the most recent modern Disney slash Pixar films, because Mm -hmm. it does not feel shoehorned in. It feels like it's actually part of the story. It's, It's part of the plot. It, again, it's about music, and you know the one thing about this film is the ending. I'm not gonna, we're not gonna spoil it yet. Every yet, we'll wait single the the <laughs> time I watch this film, I am in tears at the end. In tears every single time. Mm-hmm. It is one of the mm-hmm. few Disney films that makes me cry every single time I watch it. Love this film. It is honestly Aww. a a good nine out of ten. 
Aww. What are your impressions? Okay, my turn first impressions. Oh, yes. Okay. So, so I didn't know what to think. I didn't look. I didn't look up any trailers or anything. I, again, I like knew vaguely of this movie. I knew it was about like Dia de Muertos, which I looked up by the way because I've heard Dia de los Muertos and Dia de Muertos. They said it both ways in the movie, mm-hmm. um, and I guess both are correct. And I'm gonna say Dia de Muertos the whole episode because that's easier to say than Dia de los Muertos. You know what I'm it gonna say? Day the of the Dead because like I keep forgetting how to say it. <laughs> So, so I knew it was like vaguely about that, and that there were skeletons in it, and like that's a that's all I knew about the movie. So, um, I think I got about five minutes into the movie, and this kid is talking about how all he wants to do is play music, and his family hates music, and I go, oh, so this is just like Mexican ratatouille. <laughs> what? That was really like the vibe that I got from the whole movie, like not from the whole movie, from the from the opening, because like Ratatouille is about this guy who's a rat and all he wants to do is cook, and his family is like, no, we don't cook, we're rats, we scavenge for food, we don't cook our food, stop it, stop living your dreams and come be a rat, and that's what this was. Oh my gosh, I got it. That's how this movie started: was no playing music, come be a shoemaker. We're rats, we're only supposed to be rats. Ooh, sorry. I was just watching my, uh, I'm just watching my volume. <laughs> I love Ratatouille. We'll talk about Ratatouille it eventually. It's one, one of my, my favorite Disney Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I regularly have that one on in the background. If I'm cleaning or something, I have Ratatouille on in the background. I, we'll Ratatouille get, we'll get and Zootopia are two of my favorites. Entangled. And Princess so... and the Frog. And Hercules. Okay, I'm gonna stop. Oh, Hercules. Oh, mm, Hercules. Last on, the list. on the list for sure. Her was on a roll. Mm, okay. Anyway, uh, the meme just popped in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure of Hercules on a bun. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay. So, like, the I didn't know what to expect because, like, those first five to ten minutes of the movie felt very predictable to me um i'm i'm watching the movie and i at that same point that i was like oh this is just ratatouille where this kid's gonna want to play music and his family doesn't want to play music and it's gonna be about hit like well anyway so i'm going at that same point in time i thought oh i get it okay this famous musician is gonna wind up being his his great great grandfather or whatever but he's um He's well, he's gonna meet him, and then he's gonna let Miguel down in some way, and it's all gonna be about finding your own sense of identity and not letting others tell you who to be. Which honestly, for most of the movie, I was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I did get pleasantly surprised by the twist at the end. Um, when I tell and- you, I went <gasps> the first time I saw this film, I was like, I was like, how did I not see this coming? How did I not see the twist coming? And then I it happened, because... I was like, I, I hated myself, because I was like, dang, I felt like it was kind of obvious. I don't want to say it's obvious, but I feel like it's hinted at a lot. I feel like, because no, after watching so... it, I'm like, there are kind of hints here and there. Yeah, so I, so I Not obvious not hints, though. It. You gotta be paying attention. I didn't suspect it at all. I knew that De La Cruz was gonna be a letdown, mm-hmm. Um because I, because like I said, I called that from the beginning. I'm like, okay, so this is gonna be the arc of the story. He's gonna be right. all excited. It's like one of those like don't meet your heroes kind of moments. And, um, but the the other character, Hector, um, I, 
I think I wasn't tracking on that because I was so like suspicious of his character the whole time. I his was character, too. Who was who was like dressed like One Piece, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever the main character from One Piece is, because I can't think of his name right now. Um, but anyway. So I was like suspicious of him the whole time because he was like that character. He really felt like that character who was like the the lead our main character astray mm-hmm. kind of character. Take advantage of like a young innocent kid for his own ends and like double cross him and then wind up having like a heart of gold at the end. Like good. What's his name? John Silver. I'm sorry. I'm um, so stuck on here. He looks like the main character of One Piece. Oh, man. <laughs> Am I wrong? He does look like Luffy. so yeah so i think that's why i wasn't tracking on him being part of the twist ending because i was suspicious of his character the whole time i thought his character had negative ulterior motives the whole time and so i was thinking of him as like a double cross kind of character um so so yeah i was very pleasantly surprised so very pleasantly surprised by the twist ending because I was so busy focusing on other elements of the story that I missed it. I missed any hints that they were giving out the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as like the rest of my first impressions, um, I think I was a little bit disconcerted by all of the skeleton imagery. Like my conservative mom brain was like, this might be a little bit scary for kids. Um, but I had to remind myself of a couple of things. Like, this is about a culture with very different traditions than our own, and this movie is paying them homage. Um, and honestly, I feel like they did a really good job of not making the skeletons creepy. Like, they did everything they could to not make them creepy. Oh, yeah. You know, they give them funny funny mannerisms, and they put art. art on them, and they make them tumble apart whenever, like, somebody runs into it. Like, they do funny things with them to make it very palatable so that, like, I don't know, maybe after the end. And, and especially when you first see all of them and realize that they're skeletons, they're in this beautiful area of being on that Marigold Bridge, which I cannot for the life of me say the Mexican name for that flower. It's because it's a specific flower because I looked it up. Um, what is that flower called? Hold on. I wrote it down. Give me a second. Okay. I'm going to try to say it. It is <sighs> Sempasushil. No, Sempasushil. There we go. The the accent is on the U. Everyone who speaks Spanish, tell us. So uh... <laughs> make fun of me, please. Go ahead. Um, I took up to Spanish like two point five in high school, and then I dropped it. Sempasushil, I think, um, is the flower used in the tradition of Dia de Muertos in Mexico to guide the deceased to the living. So it's like it's an uh, like it's like a Mexican marigold, or the, no, it's the Aztec marigold. So it's in, like, ancient Aztec, Aztec tradition that was the flower that was used, and which I thought was really nice. Um, like, they did a lot of, like, history incorporation of, like, ancient Mexican culture. But anyway, seeing the the skeletons in, like, that that beautiful marigold bridge crossing from the land Isn't of the dead to the land of the living. It was so pretty. And, like, seeing them in, like, a... Like, they made it, like, an amusement park. Like, going, like, in and out of, like, the gates and the turnstiles and everything. Um, so and they, it made it not creepy. It made it fun. They put them in this beautiful setting and, and I just, I, I, after like the initial, like, oh, they're skeletons. I was like, oh, okay. All right. It's fine. 
because they're funny and they're having fun and they're like going to an amusement park for the day. They get to go to the land of the living and this like the security check-ins with all of them having to get scanned to make sure their picture is on somebody's ofrenda. Like adorable. (laughs) I love it. So, so yeah, those are my first impressions. I was like a little bit unsure at first, um, but I agree uh, with you, despite like any reservations that I had at the beginning, feeling like the plot was predictable or I was like, uh, is this really for kids? But I was sobbing by the end of this movie. It gets you, man. Like tears streaming down my face. I'm like, oh my gosh, this movie is so cute. Gets like, me every time. Like a little box of tissues. Gets, gets me every time. Like, I, I, it really is one that gets me every single time. Ugh, it's heartbreaking. Okay, do In you feel like way. we're at, do you feel like we're at a point where we could talk about what the twist ending is? Sure. We're, tw- we're 20 minutes in. So, I guess we've been, like, dancing around it a whole bunch. So, if you have not seen Coco yet, like, cl- close your ears, skip forward two minutes, whatever. Um, so... The whole movie, Miguel spends thinking that um, De La Cruz, who's... First name I cannot think of for the life Ernesto. Anyway, the, the, Ernesto De La Cruz. Who right? Ooh, ooh. Who is played by Benjamin Bratt. Saw from that. From Miss Congeniality. Mm-hmm. Who, like, I had no idea he could sing. I had no idea he... W- Honestly, I didn't know he was Mexican. I had no idea. <laughs> His name's Benjamin Bratt. His anyway, stage name. I, I, I guess. Name. It must be. I don't know. Um, anyway, so yeah, um, Miguel thinks that the whole time that Ernesto is his, like, long-lost great-great-grandfather, and then plot twist in the end, turns out he's not, uh, we find out that Ernesto actually murdered his old singing partner, his old musical partner, when he wanted to quit and go home, and the guy that he murdered is Hector, the guy that Miguel has been hanging out with the whole movie, and it turns out that guy is Miguel's great great grandfather. Yep. Like, holy, it made me so happy at the end. I was like, thank God. <laughs> I was like, man, that's a good plot twist. Cause I was shooketh when I, when we're seeing like the flashback and mm-hmm. you realize that, that he murdered his friend. I was like, I was that's like, dark. That's dark. And that's one of those moments where I was also kind of like, is this a kid's movie? So I had a question for you about uh-huh. that. What age group do you think this movie is targeted towards? Kids. Yeah, but like what age group kids? Any. Because I literally was talking to a friend earlier today and she and her one-year-old were watching Coco. No. Oh. I don't know. When you're one, like, you're just looking at pretty colors on TV. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. As of, I would say, maybe the last decade, I'd say a lot of Disney Pixar-ish films are actually geared towards a little older. Like, I'd say young millennials. Like, young millennials. Like, people around my nephew's age. My oldest nephew's Mm -hmm. age. So, like, early 20s. I feel like... I feel like they aged up some of their content a little bit, partially Mm -hmm. because, like, I'm going to throw out, like, Frozen, for instance, because when Frozen came out, we were all still kind of young enough or had younger siblings or nieces and nephews or whatever. I believe we were all in freshman year college, I think it was, yeah, like, our freshman year of of college. Mm -hmm, Yeah. 
but but like I had younger siblings. My my sister and my brother were both younger and young enough to want to go see this movie when it came mm-hmm. out. So like we had all seen it, but we were a little bit older. And so, but then when the sequel came out, that whole audience, including us, had aged up significantly. And think but, another example would be The Incredibles 2. That film was yeah. exclusively made for us. For us 25 yeah, 30 year olds kids. Like, that movie was made yes. for us. It was not made mm-hmm. for an age right. younger than 25. Right, because the whole audience out. has aged up now and. And basically, they're doing two things, like wanting to gear it towards us um, so that we're still interested in the storyline and it's not completely childish. Mm -hmm. But then also because a lot of us have kids now and want to take our kids to see the sequel of whatever movie we saw when we were younger. Right. You know, same thing like Incredibles, Frozen. There was another one. Oh, um, Finding Dory for Finding Nemo. Finding Dory was a letdown. All these movies had sequels. (gasps) Oh! You take that back. I love that movie. It's okay. No. I love Finding Dory. I I don't know what I loved so much about it, but it just like spoke to my heart. And I have watched that movie probably seven times. Dory for me was not a compelling main character. Oh, there are moments I, I really I, I loved the it. octopus in the film. I loved the octopus, and I loved the octopus uh, is hilarious. I loved that Nemo and Marlin were trying to find Dory, but I just didn't like. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for Dory as a main character. It's kind of like I when they know. made Mater like a main good. character in like the no. second Cars film. Did not mm-mm, terrible film. Don't get me started. Don't get me started on the Cars sequels. They were atrocious. They were the first one is amazing. Bombs. The first one was the first one so is good. absolutely amazing. We love the first one in my family. Oh my gosh. Like my dad will like he'll drive around in his Mustang and play the car soundtrack on like CD. That is my dude his, right there. In that his is my car. dude right there. <laughs> Just driving around jamming out to Cheryl Crow. My oh, I literally had that song on repeat. It was on my repeat repeat playlist on right? Spotify a few weeks ago. That's a jam. It's that because song is a jam. My oldest nephew and I were talking about cars and I was like, I watched this in a while like i went out of my way to watch cars for the first time in years i was like man this movie is good good. it's so good and i love owen wilson as a voice actor anyway everyone in that film does a great job but it's we're getting we're getting derailed sorry let's go back (laughs) let's talk about every other pixar movie there's ever been in talking about coco um yeah so anyway did we get to i feel like we got done with first impressions we're on casting yeah um I looked at the casting and I didn't really recognize a lot of names from this. I, I mean, love when I did... don't recognize names because that means they went out of right. the way to get people we don't know. Yes, get people we don't talent. know, but also they did another ethnically correct cast. They got people of Mexican heritage to voice everybody. So we love I recognized that. a few names. Like I said, I recognized Benjamin Bratt. Um, he's the other agent whose name I can't remember. I just watched Miss Congeniality too. He apparently has done um a, quite a few like voice acting roles. Uh, mm. I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, but looking at his filmography, he's actually done quite a few. I'm actually, hold on, I'm going to look them up now so people don't think I'm on anything. He did, um, what, what was he in? Hold on. That's right. He was in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. He played Manny, and he was also in Despicable Me 2. He played Eduardo Perez. He just Perez. so many films I don't like. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't really care for either of them either. I barely like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They're terrible. Um, 
I know a lot of people are going to hate me but, for that, but I like the books no, so much. I, I hated the movies. The uh, There's a book? Oh my gosh, yes! It's one of my favorite books reading as a kid. It's nothing Cloudy like the, the film. the Chase of Meatballs is a book? It's uh, Yeah, it's great. It's nothing like the movie. Like, it's nothing. <laughs> like, I don't know what? how they got the animation style. Because it's nothing my like the illustrated book. My mind is blown right now. Oh, it's one of my favorite books. Like, I I, I used to physically own it even as an adult. I don't know where it is anymore. That's bananas. I did not know this. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to look that up after the episode. So, apparently, Cloudy with the Chains of Meatballs is a book. That's wonderful. I, did I live under a rock? I don't know. Like, what happened? I went to Scholastic Book Fair, man. All the time. <laughs> Of course, I was, like, reading exclusively uh, Animorphs when I was that I age. I remember so... finding a copy in your house. <laughs> I donated my entire Animorphs book collection to the library of my elementary school, and I regret it. Give them back. Hold on. Sorry, I looked it up. There are sequels to that book now, and I need them. <gasps> to Cloudy with the Chains of Meatballs? Yes! I guess they must have gotten their sequel content somewhere. Yeah. Okay, we've we've derailed That's once so again. Eh. People love it when we derail. They want they want entire <laughs> episodes of us just yakking at each other apparently, for an hour. Apparently, which we will. We'll do. I I promise. We'll give that to you. I've been a- we've been it. asked to do it more frequently. Actually, I'm like okay. Like I'll talk to you for an hour. I do that anyway. <laughs> we did that before this. <laughs> Just have to remember not to spill anyone's tea while I'm recording. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope, no tea. Um, back on casting. Uh, th- one of the names I did recognize, John Ratzenberger, had mm-hmm. his regular Pixar cameo. Of course, of course. He is the one skeleton. Um, what's his name? Juan Ortodoncia. That's hilarious. His name is Juan Ortodoncia. <laughs> That's so okay. clever. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Okay, so for anyone who didn't realize it, John Ratzenberger John Ratzenberger has a cameo in like every Pixar movie. He is quote unquote he, their good luck charm. Yeah, he is. He's the Pixar good luck charm and he always has a line in a Pixar movie. He plays the the um the piggy bank in Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he always has like a one line cameo in every Pixar movie. And in this one, he is he plays a guy named Juan Orthodoncia, which is Spanish for orthodontist. <laughs> um, and he is the skeleton who can cross over to the land of the living because his dentist remembers him and put up his picture in his ofrenda. That's so cute. <laughs> That's so cute. His well, John Ratzenberger's one line in the whole movie is, gracias. <laughs> and then he leaves. That's it. <laughs> I also, I always find funny, um, in this film, the Pizza Planet truck, just <gasps> I know, blinking I you miss it. it so fast. So fast. But yeah, it's, um, when, when does it drive by? It's very early Is in the film. Is it drive by when, like, Miguel's talking about the Rofrenda? Like, the Pizza Planet truck, truck drives by in the background. Mm-hmm. Well, he's um, in the background and the truck's in the foreground. But it's oh. early, early, early in the film. It's, like, yeah, it's right at the beginning of the movie. Um, they also have the the A one thirteen cameo. Um, I didn't see that one. Which Where was in, that? Like, every Pixar movie. It was the uh, the number of the office when. Um, oh, Miguel when they go has in, to go into like the yeah, like the family reunion customer mm-hmm. service or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, 
when they all go in to talk with that guy and he's like, well, you're cursed, which was um, Gabriel Iglesias. No. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. The clerk and like the customer relations or whatever is Gabriel Iglesias. Love that. I will say, I know we're still on. Okay. Are we still on casting or can we move on to like plot yeah, we're and stuff? Yeah, we're, we're kind of on casting, but we can move on if you want to. Um, Something about this film that every time I watch it, I forget about is when Miguel is like becomes a, you know, the, the skeleton or starts to become a skeleton. I'm like, mm-hmm. Every time I'm like, how how do they explain this away that I don't question it? Because every time it happens, I'm like, that is dumb. He just strums the guitar Why? and then boom, skeleton. I'm like, but they, they leave you a breadcrumb at the beginning about being cursed. They explained it. Yeah. And then later they explain it again when he's actually in the, like you said, the customer service part of the the land of the dead. And yeah, I'm like, he, oh, well, that's they right. Say, they say specifically that... Um, that Day of the Dead is when you were supposed to give back to mm-hmm. the dead and instead you took from them. Right. So they explain it because and every so time I'm cursed. like, they need to explain this later. I'm going to be really upsetty spaghetti about it. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't even question it. I'm like, yeah, okay, he's cursed. I did Move because on. I was like, mm, we need a reason for this. <laughs> Which is what he said. He's like, well, you're cursed. <laughs> and, I, and I'm glad, again, I'm glad they explain it. I need to stop looking to the left of my TV as the movie's playing. <laughs> You're just watching Coco in the background. I love it. It's so good. Oh, so um, which reminds me, I wanted to talk about the title of this movie. So this movie is called Coco. Well, so I guess for a couple of reasons, the main one is there's a character named Coco, mm-hmm. but in um, in Spanish, Coco is like a colloquialism for skull. Oh. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I even I meant not, to look up Coco too. I try to look up names because yeah. names often have a good meaning, and I didn't do it. Yeah. So, um, which it Coco, I think is. Dr- I looked it up. I did. I looked it up, and and now I don't remember what it was. Hold on. Pause because I looked it up and I have it here somewhere. Give me a second. I don't know. Um. Well, so it's it's funny because this film actually had to have its title changed in several countries that it was released in. Um. It was changed to Viva in several countries because, like, in Portuguese, the word coco with the little – there's an accent, which I don't know what that accent is called, but it's the little carrot accent that goes over the second O. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in Portuguese, coco means poop. <laughs> That's funny. So they had to change the title of it when it went to uh when it was released in in Portugal and Portugal like yeah in Brazil um but the word it says the word cocoa without the accent on the letter o means the fruit of the palm tree of which coconut water is extracted. Okay. I don't know. So I guess maybe like life water maybe. I don't life know. water. Pretty sure that's, that's a brand. Probably. Or is it like water? Is. Um, I feel like I read something else about her name. I don't know. I'm, I'll find it, like, the second we stop recording. Go figure. Um, oh, wait. Nope, never mind. That's something else that was about. It was originally titled uh, Dia de los Muertos, but Disney got in trouble because when they originally titled it Dia de los Muertos, they tried to trademark that. Mm. And um, that's a no-no. 
because then you're just like literally making money off of the title of a Mexican holiday. You like, definitely t- can't. Like naming a movie Christmas and be like, I want to trademark Christmas. I'm like, well, you can't. Like people would sue you and you know come after you. Don't. Yeah, and yeah, and the Mexican American community got really mad, so they changed it to Coco. Um. So yeah, the the movie is titled Coco. I guess maybe partially for the colloquialism of it meaning skull, but also because there's a character in the movie named Coco. It's um Miguel's great grandmother. Yeah, mm-hmm. great grandmother, and um she turns out to be Hector's daughter. Obviously, when we find out that they're all related, and she's very very important because she is the last person who remembers Hector and is the only way that um, they can keep his spirit alive to return on Day of the Dead next year. Um, so I had a question for you. What I feel like that is kind of a convoluted name. Like, that's a kind of a convoluted title for a movie. I would not have expected it to be named after that character, especially since she has so little screen time. So I was going to ask you... If you were to title this movie anything else, what would you title it? Hmm. That's an excellent question. Ooh. Because, see, you know, seizing your moment is such a big part of this film. But that Mm -hmm. sounds very cheesy. And too on the nose. Um, let me think on that. What would you title it? I know. Um... I'm bad at titling things. It took me forever to come up with the title for my novel. Um, I think it literally came to me in a dream, like a crazy person. So... I mean, that sounds like what happens for most people is it comes to you in a dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe Remember Me. That's exactly what I was thinking. Or maybe calling it like Recuerdame. Mm-hmm. And having it be in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that's what I was thinking having a baby be remember me because think i mean the whole film revolves around i think the title is fine because one it it literally revolves around coco remembering hector Mm -hmm. because there's no chance of him ever being with her again or seeing her again until you know that happens so the whole Mm -hmm. film like you don't realize it but there's there it time is of the essence for most of this film because Hector is about to lose his chance of ever seeing his daughter again who could forget him mm-hmm. and he'll never even see her in the afterlife because that's part of the plot of the story is once you're oh, forgotten. Oh, so heartbreaking. Yeah, once you're forgotten in the the world of the living, you die like you can't, in the land of the yeah. dead. Like you you phys- you yeah. go off into Your spirit's you gone. don't even know. Mm-hmm. And he says it happens to yeah. everyone. It's going to happen to everyone eventually. It's like you die a second time. Right, when you stop being remembered, but mm-hmm. And that's part of the ofrenda. Um, the final death. Ofrenda. Let me roll the R. Ofrenda. Um, that's part of the, o- the ofrenda so that they can be remembered for as long as possible so they can continue to come to the land of the living and, you know, see their loved ones as they grow. But, um... Mm-hmm. Which I thought was so cute and so sweet. But I think, yeah, if I would retitle it, it probably... As much as I... As much as Ernesto taints it. Ernesto. I think, um, especially the end... Um, when Miguel is singing to Coco and breaks my heart, uh, breaks my heart and heals it all at the same time. I think that if I were going to retitle it, it'd be Remember Me, but in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in Spanish, Recuerdame. Um, that'd be super cute. My brain, my, my stupid punny brain wants to call it Saved by the Bell. Stop it, you. (laughs) 
I I swear I actually Stop audibly it. gasped when you're going through like when they they're showing you like the the past and it's showing you how Ernesto died and I'm like oh they literally just showed this man getting crushed by a giant bell in a kids movie again like who's this for who's this for <laughs> right I'm like what's this audience my my answer to that question would be like maybe ages like seven and up. Which, which like kind of tracks. Like, I mean, that's around when your when your niece was super interested in the movie. Um, oh, no, that's she about was when like my friends started. No, I know, but like that that like seven seven to ten seven to twelve age area is. I feel like when people would like kids like kids would be okay watching this movie and not getting freaked out by mm-hmm. it. I feel like anything younger than seven and you might get freaked out by it. Perhaps, yeah, um, yeah. Especially like the I don't know, just the the overt themes of of murder in this movie i mean heck even even miguel says and like he murdered him like they said the m word he they did. said muck duck he said muck the red rum <laughs> yeah so good thing i didn't I make know, you I do the like... shining for halloween Woo! that would have been a three-hour oh. episode man love the shining great movie classic movie i have a friend who we're gonna talk about doing stuff for the shining um i love that movie it's a great film i love stephen king in general um yeah, I don't know. I th- I think that 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 like seven to twelve age like area is is what this audience is supposed to be for. Because if I had to to place Miguel in an age group, I'd say he's probably ten or eleven. I think he's twelve. I think they say that in the film. Oh, is eleven he? or twelve? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, so he's right around there too. Because um, I feel like like that's when my friend started letting her child, who's like seven or eight, watch more thematic movies finally let her watch harry potter and the sorcerer's stone because like when i was mm-hmm. a kid that the scene at the end with quirrell freaked me out even oh. when i was a kid the whole movie was, was very fine up into quirrell disintegrating like a la indiana jones style <laughs> so so yeah that would be my my answer to that question so you were, we were kind of talking about writing a little bit um I loved all of the inclusion of of Mexican culture, but not just Mexican culture. Like they went back and pulled in stuff from like Aztec culture. Oh, and go on. I really, yeah. Well, no, I really like that because if you go and look some of the architecture, like they have like old, um, like layered, like Chichen Itza style pyramids. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the alabrije, all of the spirit guides. Those are modeled after a lot of the, like, animal hybrid depictions you will see on old Aztec temples. Dude, that is dope. Isn't it, though? Um, Like, it really, honestly, it really reminded me of um, El Dorado, that old DreamWorks movie. I think I've seen that once they... in my entire life. Are you kidding me? <gasps> we have to do that movie. It's so good. No, it's so good. I cannot believe you've only seen it once. I'm so surprised at that. We have to Hold talk on, about pause. that movie. I see a bug. I'm make you watch it. <gasps> Killed a bug. Give it the chancla. Anyhow, continue. Um, yeah. So they uh, just talking about the spirit guides. Yeah, they're they're modeled after um, like I think there's like there's a serpent, like a giant feathered serpent that's like flying through the air when they're talking about that the alabrije so cool. and. It's, I, I'm pretty sure it's modeled after, now this one I can never say, because it's not, that's not just like Spanish, like it's like Aztec, and it's Quetzalcoatl, I never can say it, or Cocolcan, um, that one I can say. Um, but it's, it's this, um, like spirit creature or like potential god or whatever, like obviously we don't know because Aztec culture has since died out, um, 
but it's engraved on a lot of old Aztec temples and buildings and stuff, um, as were a lot of the other spirit guide depictions. Um, so I felt like that was super cool. Um, like the Shoto dog that Dante is. Who's I love I Dante. Loved, loved Dante. Dante like, is oh one. Oh my gosh, I want a Shoto dog. Dante is one of few like creatures, let's be honest again, merchandise characters that I actually really enjoy. I mean, Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Ever since George Lucas like revolutionized merchandising when it comes to movies, Disney's like, oh, we got to do that. And we have to make money off of the merchandise. I would have a merchandise Dante. I mean, yeah, he's a door, especially when he turns into a spirit guide and has his dumb little spirit wings. When I, the cat was so cool. I loved that it transformed, like, when it came back into the real world. I also loved two things. At the end of the movie, you see the spirit guides go back, mm-hmm. and you see that they're able to traverse both worlds and be seen in both. It's awesome. So they have a spirit form and a regular form. So then on the next Dia de Muertos, both of the, the animals come back and are interacting with both the spirits and the people. It's wonderful. It made me so happy. I love that, too, because it kind of plays into... The idea that animals can see things we don't and they can sense things that we don't. And I, I really loved that about this film. They really I into thought that. the exact same thing. I'm like, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense because so many people think that like dogs can sense or see spirits or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like in all of our horror movies, the dog knows the demon's there first. For real though. For real. For real though. Um, so yeah. And babies. Uh, did you? Uh, mm-hmm. Um, yep. I have a story about that. I'll tell it. Um, so did you see who did the score? I know I should know this. I literally looked at it you earlier. You should. I give you one guess because I'm excited. Who did? Guess who did the score? Who t- Who did it? It's your boy, Michael Gacchino. That's why I love it so much. See, you know what? No, right? it wasn't the score. I looked at the soundtrack. I was looking, looking at the mm. songs earlier. Yeah. No. Yeah. So the actual score for the movie was composed by Michael Giacchino. My which, fave. And I guess the um the producer or the writer or whatever. Why was he the producer or the writer? Who was this guy? Hold on. One moment, please. Because he was like the one, the director. There we go. Is the one like non-Mexican name. It's Lee Unkrich. Here's the thing, though. Like, that man has not made a bad movie. Lee, he's no. never made a bad film. And Michael Giacchino no. has never made a bad soundtrack. Facts. So. Um, which, and he thought, like, he, I guess they, he and, like, the whole directorial team went to Mexico, like, five separate times to study the culture. I don't know, I don't know how long they stayed, but evidently long enough to really get a vibe for it. Because I felt like they did a really good job. Again, um, let me tell you how much I love that. I'm gonna, I'm going back into the, this is an off topic, but it's a different product if you will so when the miles morales spider-man game came out a few years ago like it's been several Mm -hmm. years now especially with the new one that just came out it made so many puerto ricans happy that they included just little things around miles's apartment um in the game that were just very specific to puerto rico like it made so many people happen because happy because he's obviously half black half puerto rican and just to see Mm -hmm. their culture represented Made so many people happy, and I, Aww. I love again. That's one thing Disney does so well of the of like of the modern age of film, is actually doing the research to make things culturally correct, and again culturally yes. casting the right people. Disney is knocking it out of the park with that. 
Yes. I, dude, I completely agree. And oh, and now that that's out, we can talk about it. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, talk one, about the, what? Um, Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, I was talking about the video game. But yes, we can no, talk I know. about Across the Spider-Verse. But I was thinking, I, w- I was thinking about Miles Morales and I was thinking about her snapping in Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. The little details, man. It's the little details. I love that whole conversation. I'm complete derailment, but I love that whole conversation in like the guidance counselor's mm-hmm. office where she's talking about, um, like, we will talk about this because I have things to say about that whole scene. But she's like, oh, like, you're a black cop in New York. You're a Puerto Rican immigrant. And she's like, um, Puerto Rico's part of the United States. Right. So I'm, I'm not an immigrant. <laughs> and I was like, girl, like, yes, get your facts straight. <laughs> I just clipped y'all and get you back straight. I watched it. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I really appreciated their their significant study of Mexican culture and Mexican history and really trying to bring as much as they possibly could. Apparently, there was a whole bunch of references to famous like Mexican artists. Oh yeah, tons. Um, and, like singers and everything. Like obviously you have the on the nose ones like Frida Kahlo, mm-hmm. but there were a bunch of other ones. Like obviously names that I don't know cuz I didn't grow up on that stuff, but right. that Mexican American families were like like hoopla about. Apparently, this movie released 3 weeks early in Mexico, which is awesome that they did that mm-hmm. by the way. Released 3 weeks early in Mexico and it surpassed The Avengers. As it should, I actually think this movie was also, I believe, was also released fully in Spanish. I think there's a, I, mm-hmm. there's a Spanish there version and an English Spanish version, if you will. The only, yeah, the only person to voice his entire part for the Spanish version was um, Gael Garcia Bernal. He was the only one. The rest of the cast had. Um, Tell our people who that, what character that is. That is um, Hector. He was so good. Who, he was, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, he was my favorite character in the film. Really? He and Miguel. Oh, I think Imelda was my favorite character. Want to know why? Why? Because she had the most character development. She did. Mm-hmm. That's why I like Imelda. Because she went from, like, raising, like, completely, picking a different career, raising her family to do that career, and, and creating her whole worldview around this denial of music and what this person did to break her heart and shatter her world. And even in the afterlife, she decided to change her mind. You right. Which, honestly, it was just, mm, it was so sweet. It moved me so much. Like, cause you see in the end, Imelda and Hector end up together. They do. I, and I a hundred percent agree. Uh, I mean, <laughs> she's like, you killed my soulmate or love of my life. And he's like, I'm the love of your life. Right. You, Right, I'm gonna love you. I don't know what I said. I was angry. She made me laugh so much, and like all of them taking off their shoes to throw at people was so. That callback was so good, dude. That callback was so good. My gosh, I found myself. There were several instances where I was just cackling, especially. And it starts off at the very beginning where that guy is polishing, like one of the cousins or whatever, is polishing a shoe, and he gets distracted and (laughs) just launches up into the ceiling. And you see all like seventeen other shoes that are stuck in the ceiling where that's happened before. It's like man needs a new job. Put him on something else, right? Put him on, make him the shoe shyness, but not the guy on the buffer because yikes. 
I think what made Hector so endearing for me was all the ways he was willing to see his daughter one more time. And I was like, man, that just hits me in the heart. And, mm-hmm. you know, despite his sometimes nefarious ways of trying to get there, I can't blame a guy. Like, he wants to see his kid. Right? Just constant, Like, every year. Like, he's he's the guy trying to get him without a ticket kind of thing. Which is why you think that his character is, like, the dishonest troublemaker from the beginning. Because he, mm-hmm. like, he looks like that kind of character. He looks like the mistrustful, like, like somebody who'd be on Pleasure Island on, like, in Pinocchio kind of person. Right, man, nightmarish. Woo. Yeah. I have not watched that movie in a long time, and there's a reason for that. I don't think I've watched that um, film since I was a kid. Talk about movies that were not really geared towards children. <laughs> um, yeah, Pinocchio. A lot of those early Disney films. Mm-hmm. Like, like, did they just think that we could like handle more than we could, or was like, were they on something? Just collectively that, that, I as think a whole it's that one. Animation like, what were team. they doing back there in the Disney studios? <laughs> uh, I guess. Oh, I have a theory about it. Anyway, the rest is derailment. Anyway, um, <laughs> one one last thing I wanted to point out that I noticed in the movie. Did you notice all the technology they were using? Very old, right? They were all using old, old technology, like, 80s model, like, Mac, Macintosh, if you will, computers, and, like, walkie-talkies Or even, like, typewriters and at times. Yeah. Yeah. Walkie-talkies. They were all... Yeah. So I noticed that, and it's, it's like, it's a joke, because all of those are antiquated, or that kind of technology is dead. Ah, uh, yes. That's really smart. I love that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, where technology goes to die, too. Like, I thought that was so funny. Man, People Disney walk around, so like, smart. listening to Walkmans. <laughs> Aren't they, though? Well, they've been working on this movie. This movie has was in production since 2011. It went from 2011 until 2017. They were working on production for it. They had to recast Miguel because the poor first kid hit puberty. Wow. And didn't sound that's like crazy. he was 10 anymore. Wow, that's crazy. See, I always wonder, like, how they... That's not a process I understand. I need to ask my animation friends. Um, like, do they make the whole film and then they cast? Or do they... I, I know with some, especially, if, like, all the Toy Story cast, everyone's older. They can obviously film as they go unless, um, unfortunately, one someone passes away. Um, mm-hmm. But that's always a process I, I wanted to know. I need to, I need to learn that. That's a great question. I have a friend, too, who works... I think she you either does still or used to work at Pixar. I'll reach oh, out to her right. and ask her how that's they right. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she worked on the Buzz Lightyear movie. So, yeah, I'll reach out to her and find out which way, like, what order do they do that in? For real, that'd be great Because that's know. a really good question. Because, like, I'm wondering that from, like, like I'm thinking about it from, like, the Foley perspective. Because I think that they probably Ugh, have the movie fully Foley. rendered. And then they put all of the sound in. And, like, that would include audio, you'd think. So I think they animate the whole thing and then put the sound in afterwards so the actors won't do their lines until the movie's done. I'm trying to think Ish. about what we did in class. We, no, we did audio. We did, um, we recorded dialogue first, but that was not animation. That was, you know, live filming. Wait, or so, studio wait, filming. Live rather. filming, you said you recorded dialogue first? Yeah, Explain. you technically, when you're recording like film or TV, you want to do dialogue first because you want to cut out all excess sound and okay. add those in later because oh. you want it to be like when you see people dancing in a dance scene, there, I there's see no what music. You mean. There ain't no music. 
Right. Okay. So, like, talking about, um, like, Cobb and Saito having their conversation in Inception in the helicopter, they definitely filmed or did recorded those lines in studio and then dubbed them in afterwards because yep. you can't hear squat when a helicopter oh, yeah. motor's going. Absolutely. In a lot of times, gotcha. if it doesn't okay, sound I'm good, tracking. they will dub it later. Like, I hate pointing this out to people, but in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I notice it. Especially in oh, the no. scene where um, Vernon is like grabbing Harry and he's trying to grab all the uh, the letters in the the foyer, whatever little area outside of the his... living room. No, no, no. Oh no, yeah, the entryway. The entryway. Harry is speaking. You hear the dub, but his voice, his his lips aren't moving. <gasps> How could you do this? To I'm me? so sorry. I've ruined that for so many people, and I was like, I can't unsee it. I, when I saw it, I was like, son of a gun. Dang it. Yeah, it's a, it's a Well, flub. they have to do it, too, for when, um, like, when you have a rated R, like, for language movie that the, is then released for TV, the actors have to redub all of their swearing lines. What are these monkey watched... snakes on this Monday to Friday plane? No one knows <laughs> what I'm quoting. You have to know. I know where you're quoting. <laughs> I'm so glad. Like, how could you Monday not? Monday to Friday plane. <laughs> it is one of the worst dubs in history, and it's so classic and awful and good. Oh, my god. Bless gosh. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, my goodness. We just watched Galaxy Quest. I'd never seen Galaxy Quest, so oh must have me watch god. it. Oh, my god. That is Absolutely. so... I, it's hilarious. That movie is great. Um... It knows what it's about and it leans into it. It sure and it's does. Hilarious. It's very campy to me. Yeah. So I gotta a, be in the mood to watch so. it. Oh yeah. I gotta be in the it's, mood to yeah. watch it. It was intentionally so, but there's a, a line where they go down, like they're trying to like go through the inner workings of this ship and it's um it's Sigourney Weaver and Tim Allen and they get to this point. Hi, I'm Sigourney Weaver. I was gonna say, where is um, it at? You need to say it. <laughs> It's Sigourney Weaver um, and Tim Allen, and they get to this part of the ship that's just, like, big, like, buttons and, like, things mashing, and they have to go through it like an obstacle course, and she's just yelling, and she's like, what is that doing in the middle of the ship? What is the point of that? Why would that, why is that necessary? And they realize they have to go through it, and she goes, well, screw that, and her (laughs) mouth does not say screw. Right. And I didn't catch it because I wasn't paying attention and Wes rewound it and he's like, watch Sigourney's mouth. And I'm like, she didn't say that. <laughs> no, she did not. Okay. Um, that's all I got to talk about. Did you have anything else you wanted to add in before we wrap? What's your favorite song? What's my favorite song? What's your my favorite, favorite moment? song? My favorite song is Proud Corazon. It's so cute. It's so cute. It's my second favorite song. Um, my favorite moment is the moment that makes me cry, and it is when, um, it's when Mama Coco starts to remember and react and... Gets her dad's photo out. (laughs) I mean, like, it wasn't even that part that made me cry. It was just her listening to music and Mm -hmm. and showing some life again where she had kind of just become, like, catatonic because... I mean, like, I, I have grandparents in a nursing home right now, and I've done, I have done, um, like, song, I don't even know what to call this, but I've done, like, volunteer hours where you go and just, like, sing mm-hmm. for the people who are in a nursing home. And I get, I get this, the light that fills their eyes at listening to 
either songs that they know or just hearing somebody do music that is out of their monotony of everyday life. Especially like people just... with Alzheimer's and dementia. Like yes. it, when you see it bring back memories for them and they can talk about a time mm-hmm. they remember. Ugh. It's so, it's so. Yes. Just see the light come back to their eyes. It's and very th- moving. Th- that was just so personal for me because both my grandparents are in a nursing home and they're in, they're at that point in their lives. Like it just, oh, it both warmed my heart and broke it at the same time and made me want to go put classical music on for my grandma. I love that. So, okay. Your favorite part? Your favorite song? Un poco loco. That was my favorite song. <laughs> Uh, that, that I is love. So cute. It's so cute, and that scene is actually one of my favorites too. Because you see Hector and Miguel interact. I'm like, man, I wish that were his grandpa, and then he was. Or his and then he was great great grandfather. Great great grandfather. Great great grandfather. Um, great great grandfather. But that scene, along with obviously Miguel and Mama Coco at the end, but I also just really love the scene where the family is all trying to get the the picture back from Ernesto. Um, Ernesto. That whole scene, especially with Imelda and Ernesto, and they're on stage dancing, and like I, I love that mm-hmm. scene because what I actually, oddly enough, really loved about that scene were all the like security guards trying to get her, but not trying to ruin the show. And I'm like, that would be real life, right? That was that, so interesting. It was so I smart of them to do that. And honestly, the thought of doing like, okay, well, don't ruin the show, but get that girl off the stage. Um, mm-hmm. I really loved yes. that. It was an odd touch that I really loved about this film was that moment it, because you don't want to ruin it. It felt the... reminiscent of something for me. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. I, I don't know what I can't place it, but it kind of felt like Scooby Doo ish almost, where you're like, don't give it away that we're chasing each other, but also we're chasing each other. Speaking of Scooby Doo for one moment, buddy Scooby Doo for Halloween. Oh, bless. I will send you pictures. But uh, yeah, oh, my that goodness. was um, favorite. Favorite song and favorite moments were, yeah, this film was just great. Like, I feel like we could talk about this film for a long time. It is a really good film. And Mm -hmm. again, it's one of those. I would love to do a video one of this where I could like put up little stills of what we're talking about. Yeah, I feel like we should do that. It's a great film. It's gorgeous. And it's just, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10, nine and a half out of 10. Nine and a half out of 10. Um, Okay what Ooh, we need to talk about what we're doing next week do you want to do that on record or off record we can we can leave it a mystery we can leave it a mystery well i will just say that um next weekend is veterans day so just leave that there mm-hmm. anyway so that's it that's it um that concludes today's episode on coco i'm sorry if i mispronounce anything i tried my best y'all just like no i tried my best <laughs> um yeah, we talked about some of the animation style, the the writing, and really bringing in a lot of the Mexican culture and history, um, and real, I really just the the excellent twist ending and how this movie really does just bring bring tears. Excellent um, writing. It is very heart wrenching. Wonderful. What wonderful would you rate it, Audrey? About family. I think I gave it an eight out of ten. <gasps> no, it's okay. Um, I know. I feel like it's a horrible note to end the episode on, but I gave it I gave it an eight out of ten just because I was like I spent I spent a a full chunk of the movie being like this plot is so predictable I know exactly what's gonna happen next and I was I mean I did I did know what was gonna happen next but the twist ending was wonderful twist is good Um, we love twist endings we love twist endings we love a good twist ending especially one that's well done so next week is a mystery we are going to go off air and decide what we're doing next week so it's a prize um. 
So yeah, make sure to be here next Friday to tune in. Roll credits. Cinematic Pulse is edited and produced by Cherie Jackson. The episodes and theme are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find Cinematic Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please consider supporting us by becoming a member of our Patreon, where you can get access to show notes, vote on our upcoming episodes, and get exclusive downloads of our episode art. Thank you so much for listening, because we just checked your Cinematic Pulse.